It's hard to feel free when the world is crashing down around us and we're shut up in our homes practicing social distancing. But you don't have to feel trapped. You can write your way to freedom. Welcome to the Right Away Podcast. Hello, friends. This is episode 40 of the Right Away Podcast, and it's April 22 as we are recording. I'm Chris Kane with my co-host... J.P. Radcliffe. Oh, J.P., how was your week? You were in weird Kansas of the underground curiosities. Pure madness. Okay, for the day job, I had to go to Kansas uh, for three days. I just got back. And okay, I'm a terrible person, but all I really thought about for Kansas was Wizard of Oz and very flat land. I figured it was just like... Illinois extra because basically I view all of Midwest except for Wisconsin as just flat. But apparently Kansas is secretly well known for their underground caves, which is just common. The facility I worked at apparently had an underground cave tunnel that drove to their warehouse. And then I learned about a place called Subtropolis, which is quote unquote, an underground city uh, for different warehousing units. And like, they have roads, they have, I I can't even, my brain just exploded when they're like, oh yeah, we just have a place called Subtropolis. I'm like, that is not real. When can we set up tours for writers? (laughs) Right? But it's, they're like, but it's just warehouses. We're like, we don't care. We need to see it. We need to know how to write this. So cool. Look it up. Subtropolis. And they have pictures. Uh, It's cool. Definitely something you could make for a fantasy world. But other than that, for writing wise, it was good. I was able to meet most of my days for revisions. I'm so close to the end. And I got the cover design back for book three. We went through only two edits, but man, our cover designer is so good. Gorgeous. Yes. So I'm super happy. How was your week? I had a revelation Tuesday because I have been feeling very negative about my productivity and what I'm able to get done and just feeling very low energy. And then Tuesday, I was up early. It was one of those mornings when I don't have the kiddo. And for some reason or another, I woke up at 3.30 and I started work by 4.30. By nine, I had completed edits on two podcasts, the transcriptions, edits, all that. And I had written 2,100 words and I was sitting there bitching that I'd, in my head that I'd got nothing done. When I could literally see, when I wrote it out before me, that's a pile of work. And I realized the problem is that my goblin brain had taken over once again and I had stopped recording my done list, my I done it list which is the same as a to-do list, but the important part is the I done it part. And if you've done something that wasn't on your to-do list, you put it on there and then you mark it off. And it puts less pressure on the doing and more pressure on the recognizing that you've done it. So I instituted that again on Tuesday. That went really well. Yesterday went really well. I was just far more able to judge my productivity level in an accurate manner when I can actually see in a visual form the tasks I've done versus my brain just looking back because my brain doesn't remember what I did five minutes ago, let alone three hours ago, and being like, you clearly have not done anything. Yeah, I definitely think for you, you got to have your done it list. I got to have my done it list. 
fantastic. Like, uh, you telling me what you did, I was like, come on. <laughs> you did so many things. Yeah, I'm in the same boat where I feel like, oh, things aren't getting done, blah, blah, blah. But as long as I hit my morning schedule, I'm more time oriented. Mm-hmm. So I know that as long as I complete this chunk of time, I'm good because that's just all I can offer at the moment. But yeah, I definitely think you need your done it list because when you list these things off, I'm like, you did so many things. So done it list back in the system. Yay. <laughs> oh, and then we actually did work on our tarot stuff, which spoiler is going to be the episode. Not that you didn't see it in the title, but first, do we have comments? Do from wonderful Lon, who posted it today. My time at 3.33 in the morning, I'm presuming his time was 1.33 in the morning, which is less bit less late or early. I don't really know. But it was on the episode for trauma. First comment in on He finds it very easy to traumatize his characters, giving them past trauma and then doing something to trigger or worsen it. Because he's a monster, verified, and he loves the bliss of giving his characters and a combo of both big and little trauma. Usually at least one bit one. One by one, one bit one. Excellent. Bless you, monstrous lawn. I, yeah, it's something I'm working on. Yeah. And it's definitely a a really good tool to have, like, your character go through those emotions. Because more or less, like, the characters you write are the archetypes that people want to read to process through something. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Now, I, how long has this taken us to get a month, two months? <laughs> it's taken us a while, but for good reason. Yeah, we got sidetracked. Uh, had we just been like, yeah, we're going to write a tarot episode or tarot story, we would have been fine. But then we're like, oh, let's make it more interesting. As if it's not interesting enough. We'll do it and we'll write villains and... I guess we need to do an episode on what are villains after this or antagonists because I think villains are actually difficult for me to like when I think of them as villains I have a really hard time anyways that's part of that episode we both have outlines we do not have stories yet but we finally have outlines so do you want to go back over what your cards were for your three c's Boy, do I ever. Oh, I found them. I was just going to like delay (laughs) for a really long time talking. All right. For my three cards, I had judgment in reverse, which is all about being judgmental either by others or the person being judgmental to others. Indecision, self-doubt. The eight of buttons, which is also the eight of pentacles in reverse. This includes things like no progress, but also perfectionists. So obviously if one is a perfectionist and always seeking to be at hundred percent, they may not be making progress. Uh, they may be cutting corners or that feeling of having unfulfillment. And then the last card I had is the special card to my deck, the beyond. And this is the soul, the higher self, uh, seeking a higher meaning or power. And then mine for conflict, I had the card strength. I did not write down my meanings here, but strength is pretty much what you would assume somebody at the top of their game in, in their power. My choice was mother of wands and this had a hint of sexuality. And then the consequence was the three of swords reversed, which had a sense of choices, particularly the wrong ones when in reversed. And I think there was a hint of betrayal, but I didn't write those down in my notes. So how did you 
translate your card to your conflict. So with conflict, if judgment in reverse is the conflict with a lot of indecision, self-doubt, I turn that into a poor relationship between my main character and their father. Their father being this very judgmental figure and also being a narcissist to which I looked up like what those traits would look like for a character. As a side note, I also did a character wheel poll to figure out my character's personality, which we can go over in a little bit. But that's kind of what led me towards the whole narcissistic approach to it. But I brought in this character into a situation in which there was a lot of being judged um, by other people. So that was how I brought in the conflict. Yeah. So for me, I think that this didn't apply specifically to what the conflict is, because the conflict you can equal to the inciting incident. And so for me, I, I interpret it more as just what's the setup of the scene. So I have a character who's in their strength and in this case, I chose to write about a mage who's just reached journeyman level status and she wants to celebrate with her girlfriend. And I think the actual conflict I have written down though is that her girlfriend's not happy with this small celebration. She wants to do something big. How about your choice? Okay, so for choice, eight of buttons. So no progress slash perfectionist. So in my story, it's a short story off of the TASM project that I'm working in, but it's set in early 1700 or late 1700s in a Scandinavian area. And there's magic, of course, why not? And so the father figure is the perfectionist in this scenario, but he's not making any progress in what he wants. He's very slow and arduous to it. And so the choice I have is this character who knew little about his past is discovering his father who is basically a mage so that makes him a mage as well and his father is doing something unseemly with the magic very evil dead magic thing and so his choice is to either take up that mantle or not and that's the choice where it led mine was so it was with the mother of wands it was for me when i was pulling these it was really clear that the choice centered around a a person and that person having some kind of sexual romantic relationship with her. So in this, my choice is she learns throughout the story that or realizes throughout the story that her girlfriend's never just going to be satisfied with her accomplishments or who she is because she is a solid responsible person. Her girlfriend is someone who's always seeking excitement and terrified of the boredness of stability. And so her choice is that she can either stay in the city, take a journeymanship in the city, the the capital city, growing in the direction she wants with the girlfriend, but knowing that she won't be able to, she loves this girl so much, she won't be able to escape this negative cycle that she can already see happening. Or she can leave, go somewhere she doesn't really want to because the teacher she wants to be with is here, but separate herself from the girlfriend and be free. So those are her choices. Why am I always writing about relationships? Anyways, how about your consequence? So for consequence, the beyond, so the soul, higher being, belief, this 
seems it's a positive card, but I'm turning it into a not so positive card because ultimately the story flows in which the character is going to take up the mantle of the father after killing them. Surprise twist. And it's going to lead a separation with the, the partner they currently have. It's also going to turn them into what their father was doing. So he's going to seek this higher self of being, but what it's going to do is corrupt. You had that upwards triumph feel to yours. Mine is a downwards, like, damn it. So my consequence is her girlfriend convinces her to accept a position in a more exciting city, but her mentor says some things that mirror her insecurities about the girlfriend. So even though she's accepted this new position because of her girlfriend, she then breaks up with her girlfriend. And her girlfriend is a noble's daughter. And because of the girlfriend's bitterness, the main character is now assigned to the butt crack of the world. Even though she's one of their top students, they can't fight against this noble's power. She not only is not where she wanted to be, not going to live the kind of freedom that she thought she was going to have, but she's going to end up in podunk nowhere that the girlfriend thinks is just going to stall her out and give her nothing. But it does confirm to her that she probably made the she made the right decision with the girlfriend at least but she doubts all her other decisions that she made that's cool i like how our endings are different in one sense like yours it almost seems like the consequences like this external circumstance controlling Mm -hmm. and mine is like the internal decision has impacted the external enjoy the direction we both went Indeed. So let's talk about the other polls that we did in building this story. Mine's simple. So I'm going to start so then you can have free reign. After we pulled our conflict choice and consequence, I went to a different deck and I pulled my characters. I knew I wanted uh, a main character, an antagonist, and then a third possible character. I pulled the Ten of Wands uh, as my main character. And the keywords I have for that are responsibility, overwhelms, letting go of someone else's expectations of you. So you can see pretty clearly how that informed my character for the story. Then the Four of Cups was the antagonist, and these were the keywords, bored with stability, frustrated, complaining. These I pulled almost directly, but then the third one, where I was just like, and maybe other characters, the Ten of Pentacles, and that's spiritual and material abundance, building a legacy, chasing luxury and status as the negative side of it. I didn't realize until after I pulled in that mirror mentor character that that actually applied because I was just kind of like well I don't know what to do with that one so I'm just not going to even think about it but still it was sitting in the back of my brain and gave me that mentor character awesome yeah and then I was really I needed confirmation for both of my characters I knew that my main character wanted they sat in a place of responsibility and stability and they were happy with that And I knew that my four of cups, they just are so bored and want change all the time. And I wanted to know specifically what more were their wants. So I pulled a couple cards and I did not write down what I pulled. So I don't know. All I wrote down was the keywords that came out of that, that inform like the change and the responsibility. So the 10 of wands is responsible and wants love. And the four of cups is changeable and wants excitement. They just emphasized what those characters were. Mm-hmm. So how about you, Sa? I did do the, the people poll, but I will 
focus on the character wheel, which is 10 cards. I remember our conversation last time in which that became confusing, but 10 cards uh, pulled to ask some questions. I'll go through quickly the questions and then I have a little blurb that I put together as to a descriptor for this mm-hmm. character. So for who are they? I pulled the wheel of fortune in reverse. Some keywords for that is like bad luck and no control over life. Who aren't they? The hanged man in reverse. So someone who is not procrastinating, not a victim or a hypocrite. Where they are from, the ace of pentacles. This is something that incites wealth, healthy life, etc. Where they aren't from, page of cups, not from love. The good relationships they've had, the ten of swords in reverse. So a relationship that pulled them out of a terrible situation for a fresh start. Bad relationships, the five of swords. So something abusive, more or less, is a potential there. I didn't write down the keywords for this one. I just interpreted it. What they do let in, the queen of cups in reverse. So a lack of emotional boundaries or balance. What they don't let in, the devil. So they don't let in attachments or commitments. How they talk, the tower, so questioning beliefs, something chaotic, emotional outbursts, and how they don't talk, the fool, in reverse. So they don't talk in a foolish or naive or reckless nature. So as my little blurb, I have, this person feels like much of their life is out of their control. That expectation has been put on them, likely from a wealthy upbringing. They take life into their own hands and separated themselves from the past life, but the emotional wounds from unloving parents stuck. They never commit to relationships, but they drown the other the others in gifts to keep them nearby. They never settle, always quick to cut loose those that don't serve them. They are calculating, never reckless or close-minded, but always willing to debate. Well, that kind of gave me a character that wants to distance themselves from a wealthy um, family, but yet at the same time is so impacted by the way they grew up that they don't know how to interact with everyone else. And did you do this for your antagonist as well when you were setting things up, or did you just let the main character inform what the antagonist needed to be? I, infor- I had it inform what the antagonist needed to be. So I didn't know what the, because I knew there was going to be like a bad guy, figured it was going to be like a father figure. And then this really incited what it would be because wealthy family, unloving family. Then I was peeking through the emotional wound thesaurus and I found uh, grown up by a narcissist. And I figured that would be a great trait for a character that I need to do in a short. So that kind of incited yeah. And I know you often do Pixar pitches for your story. Did you happen to do one for this story? I did. I don't know where it is. I don't know if it's <laughs> correct. Let me quick look at it. Yeah. yeah. Did you do one? I didn't, but I did do a nutshell technique sketch, which is another tool that I've learned recently that works really well for me. So how the nutshell technique works is that you have a few points. You say what your setting is, like what sets up the scene, what their setup want is, the main character, what's the point of no return, what's the catch, the crisis, the choice in the final step. And so these are the specific notes I had for this. And I, I learned about this in a forum that I was in. And then I went to buy the book and realized I'd already bought the book and then for, completely forgot about it as I do. But your setup want, 
very clear. What is the thing that your character starts the story out wanting? My character sets out wanting to celebrate with their girlfriend. From there, you figure out what your crisis point is, because it's going to be the point at which they want the exact opposite of what they started out wanting. And this generally comes in at about 70% in the story. And so I have, I went a little specific. She uses her new position to take the girlfriend somewhere fancy, but the girlfriend's bored and talks about all the new exciting places she could be stationed. And she's not happy that the main character wants to stay. At that point, my main character no longer wants to be celebrating with her girlfriend. She's just done with it. The point of no return is the dinner with the girlfriend. I don't have notes about what that specifically is. It explains it a little differently in a way that better fits into my brain than most theories explain the point of no return. And that happens with the catch. She's having dinner with girlfriend, the catch is, but that's not enough. The girlfriend wants something else, something new and shiny. And then you come to your choice after the crisis. And that's the choices that my MC does decide to take the new position, listening to her girlfriend. But then the final step is that she breaks up with the girlfriend so she can be free. And so that doesn't cover the consequence of what happens after that. I find using the three C's and the nutshell technique really helped me like pick out all the pieces. Because one of the problems for me, the strength of the three C's is that it's so simple. I often need more points. I often need a bit more complex and smaller steps to break down what actually happens to a point where my brain can understand it. So I like using the three C's so that I know that my story is strong and it's not getting distracted by all the other little points. But I like using all the little points to help me get to the point where I can see what my three C's are. Yeah, I was writing out my scenes and I did the, the three C's for each scene. And then I ended up adding a couple lines for what people wanted in the scene, because I find that knowing the intent of what the, the character wants from point A to point B, regardless of if they make it there or not, helps drive the Absolutely. three C's. Absolutely. I, I don't have a correct Pixar pitch, but I can throw one out there if you would like. Yeah. So Pixar pitch, usually for those that don't know, it's, what is this? This is seven lines and it goes once upon a time, blah, blah, blah. Every day, blah, blah, blah. One day, blah, blah, blah. Because of that, then because of that, until finally, and ever since that day. Since this is a short... I gloss over the once upon a time and every day, but in those two sections, this would be about a young scholar who lives distant from his father, uh, lives with his mother every day. He's a scholar, so he's at the university, he's meeting a partner and having a, a relatively great life. One day his mother dies and as per her wishes, he uh, arrives at his distant narcissistic father's home. And because of that, he discovers that his father is partaking in some type of mysterious occultish ritual. Because of that, he discovers that he has magic of his own until finally he faces his father and confronts him about what the, the ritual is and ultimately has to make a decision between leaving and leaving his father to do his own occultish rituals and hoping that his father never tracks him down. But by doing so, he will ensure that a future with his partner or killing his father and not knowing the consequences to which he chooses the bad choice, uh, which will result in him living alone and taking up the mantle of what his father was doing. Dun, dun, dun. So dun, one dun. of the things I find really interesting is that yours is a clear, like, 
bad guy uh, choice. Not a bad guy, but bad guy choice. Mine isn't. For me to get the villainy or rebel-y tint to it, it'll be entirely in how I end like the character's state of mind at the very end. And so if I'm, I am going to that villainous side, then there's going to be thoughts and feelings of revenge at the very end. I'm going to boss this tiny little podunk place. I'm going to manage to get my way out of it. And then I'm going to take that family down or something. So. Yeah. I, I, this was the part that I struggled with was why would he make this choice? Because it like, to me, I know There are some choices that we make that are never great. And I loved how Lovecraft Country did this because I had so many expectations for a character to make the choice. It was thrown out on the table and it was so obvious that they were supposed to make this choice. And then they made the other choice to the point where that choice was selfish or it was viewed as selfish. It was viewed as like they had a responsibility over here, but yet they still went with this direction. And it was the way that they developed the character that once they made that choice, even though you recognized that it was the wrong choice, you were like, oh, that that actually makes sense. And I see where they're coming from and why they would have done this. So that's that's the direction I want to take. I really like how you're approaching it, where you're making the heiress around the character, the villainry, like the, their mental state. I think that's another fun dichotomy or two directions that we're taking to get a villain out of this. Yeah, and mine's definitely more, and we had said, like, more villain origin story. I I do think it's just difficult for me to, what's the word, sympathetically write a villainous character without knowing how they got to where they are and and exactly why they're making these choices. And when we first started this, I was trying to write a character in a sci-fi series that my friend Tammy and I have been working on for a while. And... I, the character that I was trying to make it for, like, I didn't know a lot about them. And I've developed a lot about that character in this process, but I still felt like it didn't fit the cards. I have been plotting this new fantasy series that I intend to use for Kindle Vela if the Vela terms turn out great or just acceptable. They don't have to be great. They have to be acceptable. Regardless, I have this wonderful fantasy world that I'm really excited to write in. And I just was like, okay, what kind of character would exist in this world? I created a character that didn't currently exist in my world, but now I, in my brain, have placed her in a town where she will absolutely run into my main character, and now she will probably be part of the story moving forward, both her and the heiress. Yeah, I kept mine to the the TASM project, but my problem that I ran into was the magic system. I realized that I was too loosey-goosey with my magic system, and I needed to get some defined terms down as to how it works, because it was crucial to the choices that were made. My character doesn't end up in the, the novel for the TASM project, but is a descendant, or I guess the descendant is in the TASM project. So that was my hang up was the magic system. And that's why I was like, I need to boss and figure it out. So it's interesting that we've both written stories in worlds that we've already created. Has this been influenced by the you're going to need a bigger story for you? Because it definitely has for me. 
Yes and no. I'm trying to remember when we started this and how far I was and you're going to need a bigger story because it's not like I leave it to last minute. Except for this current one. I'm like halfway through it. It's great. That's because it's but gay and it's wonderful. No. And also I was traveling. So like I read so many books. Yeah. Was a thing. I think that there was a, a piece of using this opportunity to explore a little bit more of the story. And clearly like I needed it. Because as I started like thinking about it, I'm like, wait a minute, I need to answer these questions for my current project. And I totally just didn't see them. So for me, adding in the the bigger story, basically those pieces to it where you can add in a short story here, it it fleshes out the world that it answers questions that you may not have asked yet, at least for me. No, I 100% agree because my main character in my larger story will at some point be a journeyman mage in a completely different way than this short story main character will, but it is setting up the expectations of some of what surrounds that, that you leave your original place of training. Generally, not everybody does. Just like when you go from your bachelor's to your master's, generally you leave to go get your master's somewhere else, but some places have the bachelor's and master's mashed up together kind of thing. Oh, we have both have students. Indeed. Yeah, mine, I have this weird, I guess you'd call it portal fantasy would be the correct term, but I had to figure out how these characters who live in what would be considered our world had magic for so long because I have a group of magic users coming over and my bad guy isn't part of that group. So this answered those questions as to like, how could magic sustain itself in a world that I considered quote unquote dead or derived of magic. So it was a a fun experiment to get that answer that isn't done yet. So it's a continual fun experiment. If I say it's a fun experiment and finite it, then I won't work on it. Oh, goodness. Well, I do need to write this short story. We do actually have, we're, we're planning on, on submitting these somewhere. So we do have a deadline, which I need to look up so that it's pressuring me. And yeah, so our question for the listeners this week, I think would be, what kind of tools do you use to write your stories? We've talked about tarot in these two episodes because that was one I hadn't used before, JP has. I do find it useful to, to pull me out of my rut, especially when I don't have any ideas. The, the cards are amazing for that. I also use the nutshell technique and we use the, the three-story method and JP uses the Pixar pitch. So we're really interested to know what tools you use to inform your story. Yeah, let us know in the comments. We'll see you next week. See you later.